Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith, the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything asset protection and real estate. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Dave. Uh, we've known each other for years now, um, and uh, he's going to share with us some great uh, info on his best deal. It's actually a series of deals, and it ends up with a nice little twist at the end, which is a, a part of a dream lifestyle, I think, that we've all thought about one time or another. So Dave, thanks for coming on the show. And could you give us a little background um, about yourself so we can have an idea of, you know, what your mindset is and where are you at, you know, before you get into these best deals? You bet. Well, Scott, first of all, thanks for having me. I can't believe it took this long for me to get invited to onto a show where only real estate nerds are invited. <laughs> yeah, where I'm in, that's who I am, you know yeah. that. How can <laughs> you help but be honored, right? So <laughs> here we are, one nerd to another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I have been now in, I'm very fond of saying the, the phrase my old grandpappy did, which was, it ain't my first rodeo. I've been a real estate investor and a deal junkie now for, gosh, almost 25 years. So I started my real estate investing career uh, in Denver after one of the infamous meltdowns of the Denver economy. Of course, you know, Denver's everybody's darling right now, right? Has mm -hmm. not always been so. And at one point in time, for those of us who are old enough to remember newspapers, there was actually a section of the Rocky Mountain News newspaper that was HUD foreclosures that was bigger than the entirety of the rest of the newspaper. Wow. Now, this was back in the mid to late 80s, right as I was just starting to get that first job and start thinking about what I was going to do with life. And I looked at that and I said, I can get a three-bedroom, two-bath HUD home for $500 down and $20,000. Well, oh. holy cow. And of course, back then, nobody had 500 bucks. But if you could have done that then, what would you be holding on to today? Regardless of the would have, could have, should have. I started my investing career during that kind of a cowboy era where everything was boom and bust in Denver. And have developed that not only as a career as an investor, but I'm also a qualified intermediary for Section 1031 tax deferred real estate exchanges. And it's the confluence of my developed abilities in that, as well as the application of my career as an investor, that's kind of allowed me to get to where I am today. So what I am is not just a person who does a specific practice, and I'm not just an investor, I'm the kind of guy that looks around at the edges of things to see how I can maximize or position my deals the best of my benefit. And that's kind of where I live. Um, give me minutia. Give me a deal that I can make better. Call me a nerd. I'm yours. <laughs> that's awesome, Dave. Well, I mean, it sounds like you have a wealth of experience, you know, that you, you've talked about here and um, what uh, what that's led you to be able to do a lot with the, the 1031 exchanges and the tax-free money, you know, um, you know, with that or tax-deferred money. And that's phenomenal. I think those are, those are great investment strategies. And how, how specifically does that work out to create, you know, your, 
your maximized and best leverage type of deal structure? Like how does that, right. what's your thinking behind that type of investing that leads you to that path? Right. Well, in 1996, two things happened. I bought my first fix and flip and my first son was born. And of course, my wife graciously did not divorce me when we were in the middle of grad school with a fix and flip and a newborn and two jobs. So fortunately, we stayed together. But all that things, all those things came together all at once. And we looked at our son and said, oh, my gosh, this is someone we want to spend our lives with. I don't want to be out doing all sorts of other things, chasing the dollar. Family is so important. The fix and flip was a success. It was a, a raging success until I went to file my taxes. And my accountant said, ordinary income, ordinary income. But holy crap, it turned a great deal into just such a mediocre deal for as much work as I put into it. And it really ticked me off because on the one hand, I wanted to free up time. And on the other hand, I was seeing, I've got to spend so much more time if I want this to work because my return is so much less than I thought. So those two things were pulling at me. And that was, now remember that was 1996. So let me back up and talk about what was going on in the macro economy at that point in time. So when I was going through that existential crisis, a guy by the name of Starker had been sued by the Internal Revenue Service 20 years earlier because he did a 1031 exchange that they said was improper. And 20 years later, it had worked its way through all the courts up to the U.S. District Court of Appeals, the one right below the Supreme Court. And finally, he won and the IRS settled and we had a whole new day open for these things called 1031 exchanges. Now, Section 1031 of the code allows investors to sell investment real estate and property and purchase investment real estate and property and not pay tax on the sale. It's been there since 1920, but the application was so tough. It was actually seen and interpreted that you had to simultaneously swap properties. So it was designed for cash-strapped farmers, large equipment owners and operators who were trying to grow their businesses but didn't have cash to do it. So this whole thing was swap, swap, swap. Well, imagine how hard that would be for a normal real estate investor to simply find someone who's got a purple duplex like you've got and swap it. Why well, do I want a purple duplex anyways? And secondly, how do I find the person who's ready to sell right then? So it was a very sophisticated but lightly used product by the normal real estate investor. So turn the clock forward. What Starker did was he sold a huge piece of timberland and he let the, the buyer keep a bunch of the money in escrow. And then over the next 18 months, he went and he bought all kinds of properties. And he said that he had done a 1031 exchange. The IRS paid to differ, went through the courts for 20 years. And finally in 1996, he won and the IRS came out with a new set of regs. So then what the modern 1031 exchange does is it allows me 
to now simply sell investment real estate, the money goes into an escrow account with a qualified intermediary, and then I can subsequently go and purchase new investment real estate. It's as simple as sell followed by a buy. And when I do that, I'm able to defer all of the tax that normally would have been associated with that sale. Quirkily though, it also kind of ends up that it's also not just tax deferred, but it's now commonly called the deferred exchange because you're selling first and then purchasing without the headache of trying to find properties to swap. And that's what makes it so powerful and so user-friendly for the modern investor today. That was the start and the catalyst of the whole thing. Well, it sounds like the 1031 exchange for you has been been huge and being able to, uh, you know, maximize those returns and save your money on taxes. Like what, what types of investment, like what's the, you know, what are the uh, kind of like the, the nuanced higher level investment strategies that you're using with the 1031, you know, exchange that are off the, you know, the radar sure. of what's common. So, yeah, you bet. Now, this is where we really nail home the, what ended up being my best deal ever. Um, or actually my series of best deals that ended up being my best deal ever. The thing that you have to remember is that there's actually two sections of the code that deal with real estate. Now, we started out today talking about the section 1031 exchange, which is investment real estate. Sell investment real estate, buy investment real estate, and you get to indefinitely defer the payment of the tax on that. Now, the tax does not go away forever. We make that happen later, but it does defer indefinitely as long as you own that property. The other part of the statute that deals with real estate is what deals with your primary residence. And that's found in section 121 of the code. And the way that rule reads is that if you live in a property that you own for two out of the five years prior to sale, then you can take up to the first $250,000 of profit tax free. And that's $500,000 if you're married. So that's huge because you can do that once every two years. You're gonna to wanna to edit that out, the two years thing, because we'll talk about that in a minute. But you get to take tax free that first $500,000 of profit. Now, what's really cool though is that there's a confluence of these two statutes. And that's what we used to build our portfolio to end up accomplishing our best deal ever. The average length of time that a person lives in their house is around five years. So at least once every two years or every five years, if that's how long you're normally going to live in it, you can sell that property and take up to $500,000 tax-free. Now, as an investment strategy all by itself, it couldn't get much better than that. You buy a house, you live in it, you use it for its intended purpose, and once you've lived in it for a while, you sell it, and all the profit is tax-free. Section 1031 that I was starting to do with my investment portfolio was tax-deferred. But what if I wanted to take one of my properties and turn it from an investment property into my primary residence? 
prior to 2008, it was as simple as moving into it. So I had tax deferred gain built up on an investment property. We would sell our primary residence tax free. So we would then move into the former investment property. That's converting the property into our primary residence. And then once we had lived in that property for two years, we would sell it and all of that profit had now become tax-free. And that's how we turn tax-deferred into tax-free. We finally used tax-free dollars to buy a sailboat and move on to it exactly 10 years to the date from when we started our process when my son was born. That's phenomenal. And that, that's... my friend, is my best deal ever. <laughs> that's great, Dave. Um... Well, I, I think it's awesome that you, your real estate, you know, were able to use just, just some tools that I think any, all of us could be using, you know, you just keep folding it into your primary residence and keep just saving on the taxes. And that overall makes your gain so much stronger and your re return on investment so much stronger when we're in these appreciating economies like we are right now, um, where, where property values are just going up and up. Um, do you, uh, yeah, I think it's awesome too that you get to be at a sailboat at the end of the day. That's always one of my dreams to sail across the Atlantic, you know, get a, in one of those boats. So that's great to be able to do that. Exactly. Well, you know what's nice is you can share it with the Queen Mary and the view is the same. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I thank you so much for coming on the show. I think it's uh, one of those really great uh, lessons that we have about the necessity to really focus on saving on taxes and how important that really is. And just one lesson, just for taking from, um, you know, from your time here today on the show, one thing I just reminded of, it's like a lesson learned, is um, just about how, how important it is just to be using the really simple wins, you know? Like these processes that you're describing aren't complicated, you know? There, there's not a thousand moving parts. It's just taking care of some basic investment strategy that really anybody could be doing um, right now without having to have the biggest insights into the, the next secret market or whatever is going on, right? You could just start taking advantage of one of those. Or the biggest portfolio in the world either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it could be a smaller portfolio. If it's still yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, the things that you do, Scott, as well, you know, you and I've worked together with several clients and it's always nice to see that confluence be because the ability for even the most basic of investors, the most beginning of investors, to step in and using the guidance that's out there now can start to make these exact same moves that you and I took years to discover. Yeah. Whether it's something in the tax code or on the asset protection side that you do. You know, and of course, you know, the things where you and I have to dance around so much, that's where, you know, a phone call to you, a phone call to me, can change the world without having to create a lot of fuss early on. And that's what's exciting when I look at the landscape of real estate investing now is it's out there for everybody and it's easy to do. Just ask the questions. Yeah, that's all you got to do. And then you come with uh, people that have teams, you know, where we have like teams of that we work with or particular professionals that we have relationships with. And that uh, I think that's why it's really important to go with, that's what you get when you go to, you know, credible professionals versus uh, people that are just, you know, like a, somebody that's just a local attorney or just somebody random that you find online. It's important to have these um, relationships with people that are well known, you know, in, inside of the sphere. I know we're both like really avid 
bigger pockets uh, contributors as well too, right? And that's one of the reasons why I think that that's so important for everybody is to say like when you're looking at vetting professionals that you want to work with, you you shouldn't just be vetting you know that person from that phone call. You should be looking online and seeing like what are they writing about, who's connecting with them there, you know how how respected are they amongst the community of people in terms of the ideas that they bring to the table, and who do they know, you know? Because the deeper the network that person has, the more valuable they are to you, because then they can show you exactly who you need to go talk to. At least that's how I bet professionally. Right. Well, if let's give bigger pockets. Yeah, you're exactly right. Let's give biggerpockets.com a little plug right now, because the thing that's really interesting about that site is when they go to your profile and my profile, they're going to see references from people that they can actually talk to. That's so key. What you're talking about, the vetting that has to happen to, to make sure. I can't imagine trying to navigate the legal landmine field of asset protection with someone who I didn't know. You know, and yet, you know, here's Scott. I've seen your results. So it's like, okay, yeah, I trust this. But the thing about bigger pockets is you can go and talk to people who've actually used them. So kudos out to them for setting up their website that way. I think that's absolutely awesome. You know, I'm always reminded again, it's grandpappy again. Make sure you're finding people where it ain't their first rodeo. And you've been around long enough to be through some downturns and have seen what the last one started to do to a lot of people. I've seen them as well. Sure, it's easy to make money in an up market, but you've got to plan diligently to execute your exit strategy. That's the whole key. You can make a million, but it's really how much you keep at the end that matters. There's an old saying, I don't know if it's in horseshoes, hand grenades, or archery, but if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And that's the same way. If you don't have a clear target of what you want your portfolio to look like and where you want to be at end game time, then you're going to be wasting what was probably a very, very lucrative and valuable real estate investing career prior to that. If you stay focused on what you want that end game to be, then the 1031 exchange can be a very powerful ancillary tool to help you shape that end that you want. Yeah, I think I think that's huge, you know, right there. And um, uh, what, a, what a great way to wrap up the show, Dave. And for everybody that wants to get in, in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing with 1031 exchanges, hard money lending, or any of the other real estate deals that you're working on, what's the best way for them to uh, get a hold of you? You bet. You can always catch me at the 1031investor.com. And my cell phone number, 850-889-1031. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you get the 1031 even in your cell phone, Dave? That's I get good. the 1031 even in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're crazy, man. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us here today on the, this episode of the Real Estate Nerds Podcast, where we crush through how to use the 1031 um, to uh, ma maximize your tax-free investing, as well as um, looking at how you can use your primary residence to, uh, to take that money, shelter it, pull it all the way out tax-free, um, even out of the real estate completely. So Dave, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show here uh, today. And uh, for all you nerds out there, we'll catch you again here next week. Thanks. That's all for this Best Deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. 
your legendary best deal could be your next one. So keep at it. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.